another edition of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast where we go over what we're going over in our quiet times when we go over the Stop. Bible. I'm sorry. Stop. You said over three times. You said going did I, over. Did I say that? You did. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Within the first 10 seconds, if you were reaching for your phone. Yeah, you're scrambling to, well, let me find a different podcast. Different. No, stay put, Hold please. on. Hold on. We're, we're kind people. Uh, you, and oh. you're welcome here. Yes, you are. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of welcome, have you changed out the welcome mat in front of your house because of the seasons changing? Let's see if I can explain this because this is my wife's doing. We have one welcome mat for the most part. Okay. That is the regular, you know, rectangular mat. Like a mat, a welcome mat. But then we have a stylish, like, kind of a more fabricy mat that it sits on. And one is more spring and one is more fall, and we have switched to the fall. I, that's like Inception with welcome mats. I don't know what's happening. You have a mat in a I, mat? I think you'd sit, if I could describe it better, you would be like, oh, yeah, it's a thing. Like it, you'd you'd say probably what it is, and then I'd be like, yeah, and then you and then you'd say, this is our this is how our conversations go. You'd be like, why didn't you just say that? And I'm like, because I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. You don't know how to describe I'm, things visually. That's not true. You're very good at that. Not when it comes to home decor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. If uh, Waco, Texas, has anything to do with it, is it, is that what you're saying, Magnolia? If that has yeah, anything to do with it, it's that type of uh, type of feel. You know, I got gotcha. you. Sure. Oh, so. okay. Well, I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> don't you don't you just hate that when you you ask somebody something and they go on and you're like, oh no, oh Listen, no. And I've got that. I've got that with certain subjects. Not on this one. It's like a simple, yeah, I put Mickey Mouse out this morning. You know, it's like, oh, there's a cartoon figure on Rochelle's mat. Either that or a Star Wars situation's happening. Easy, easy. Decorated for Christmas or turkeys or something. But anyway, hey, we're going to have so much fun today talking about Romans. Okay, so this is a great timing for what Rochelle is going to, uh, what you just happened to read just now. Because- yeah. We just went through Halloween. Yes. And it is it is one of many subjects that would, I think, be thrown into this category of a Romans 14 conversation. Oh. Rochelle, take it away. Well, okay. Well, I think we first, we've said this over and over and over again, and at the risk of sounding like a broken record, if you are new, context is so key with reading the entire Bible. And to give you context, what do you have to generally do? Read the entire Bible. <laughs> yes. At least book by book so you can know yeah. what the book is. Yeah. Now, and don't be overwhelmed with that thought. I know that when you hold a Bible in your hands, depending on, on uh, the translation and the print size, you know, if, if it's like a font that's 18, it's going to be a very hefty Bible. But... Um, that's why they have it on an app now. <laughs> it will feel less intimidating because it's digitalized. Yeah. But I think it's super it's super important that we read the entire Bible at, at least one point in your life, you know, if it's if it's on your to-do list. And it's it's amazing nowadays to be able to have it audially available. So if you're, you know, doing dishes and stuff like that, having it on in the background. Sure. And reading, um, because if if it feels too overwhelming to actually sit down and do it, um, I do understand that. And there are some portions of it that can become overwhelming. But the letters um, in in the New Testament, there's 27 books in the New Testament. 21 of those are considered letters. Most of them written by a guy named Paul. Yep. And we talked about him a little bit in the last podcast. And he, his Jewish name is Saul. 
His Gentile name was Paul, spent most of his ministry time with the Gentiles, so went by Paul. And he's talking to a church set up in Rome. They had gotten kicked out, by the way, at one point, the, uh, the Jewish people had gotten kicked out. And so when people started being allowed back in to Rome, um, the church discovered there was, was kind of a little bit of mess. <laughs> so Paul, Paul's doing a little damage control, I think, when, in writing this letter. And it's this most detailed um, letter in terms of like describing what Jesus was all about, what the gospel message truly is all about. And these letters, just like today, uh, see, I read people who are really smart and a lot of research that's been done about the letters. I read about them so that it could kind of help me break down things and, and understand a little bit easier and simpler because I think we do, we do tend to overcomplicate stuff. And we tend to take things so literally that we get bogged down with law and rules instead of grabbing hold of truth. If that makes sense, there may be a zillion rules that I have in my house for my kids. And those zillion rules are in place because there is a greater truth in play. And in fact, over time, I will even release some of those, quote, rules because they're older, they're wiser, they're able to handle kitchen knives or mm. do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the greater truth being their safety, the rules are in place to keep them safe. But over time, things can change. So, and obviously there are absolute truths that never change when it comes to our faith. Jesus Christ lived, died, rose again, is in heaven, is waiting for us to join him one day, is coming back again. I mean, th these are pretty fundamental truths for being a Christian. So all of that to say, when you read through one of these letters, reading it from the beginning to the end is kind of important. You know, we see a lot of... Uh, a lot of my grandfather's favorite verse comes from the book of Romans. And we pull one of the verses out. This is what I tended to do as a child. I'd pull one of the verses out and kind of chew on it spiritually. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't read it in the context of the entire message. It's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But sometimes you can pull things out of context and use it against people. Well, yeah. I mean, you know? I think it, it, you know, you said there's nothing wrong with it and, and it could, because it, it could lead to something wrong. It could. You if know? You're, yeah. If you're not really seeking Jesus out in that, you're actually using it as some sort of a weird defense debate, you know, well, I think thing. debate, but also justification for something that I don't want to do or am doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Roman says this. Well, yeah. yeah. Why does it say that? And so um, in the first century, there was a very normal way that you would write a letter. I mean, just like, I, I, I don't know if you were this way, but in school for me, there was a section in the grammar book that it had the little profile, the template, where, okay, here's how you address the letter. This is where the dear Mr. or Mrs. And then show you the body of the letter. And then this is how you end the letter. It, that. That is exactly what it is when you're reading somebody else's mail in the New Testament. There was, um, there was a, a flow to it. There was a literary thing that we have to also keep in mind um, when we're reading the letter. And this may feel like a lot. It's like, oh, I just want to read it. Well, just read it. <laughs> but, but recognize that you're reading somebody else's mail. So sometimes if, they, if I'm talking to Carter 
because he's my friend, we'll have scenarios that we're very familiar with that if you were just reading the letters that we are writing back and forth to each other, you may not get all of what we're talking about. Yeah, I might be like, you know, something is in, is is so important, just like a sandwich on whole wheat. And <laughs> and see, boom, you instantly know that's an inside joke, but it was uh, it's a quick yes, story. It it's Rochelle ordered a Cuban sandwich that's supposed to be on Cuban bread, but she ordered it on whole wheat. So I wanted whole wheat. Okay. And so and for there, the rest of the trip he called me whole wheat. Yeah, yeah. I mean You that, and your wife. W oh. squared right there. So <laughs> now you're now you're in and you would get it, but it, it would be things like that exactly that we're familiar with. And then it's not that it's supposed to be like an inside joke or a secret and keep people out. It's just you gotta be familiar with it. The standard for writing a New Testament letter, I mean, this is a first century standard anyway. It's like, all right, you got an opening, which generally is like, hey, I'm Paul. Uh, And the person who's sending this letter um, is so-and-so. And then there's usually like a prayer or thanks or a greeting to the people that he's sending it to. And then there's the body of the letter. And then there's the conclusion, which could be any number of things, including another prayer or, hey, I've got travel plans. Come see you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's that's essentially what it is. And the body, when I talk about like the literary style, sometimes so the letter itself will include like old sermons, poems, things that, you know, Paul would get together with his buddies, Timothy or Silas or any of the guys that he traveled with. And they would have, you know, older messages. They were like, oh, that that one really rocked. It was really good. So they'll keep pieces of that and they would use it in compilation form because they would hire a scribe guy to come in and, and write the letter. So they would compile it kind of like a book. Mm. If you think about it, um, making sure that everything, okay, this flows well. And so every single paragraph that you read in one of these letters, it it will connect to the one before and will connect to the next one, trying to unify. So you'll see, okay, there's a statement here made in this paragraph. Let's say the subject is, we're, we're about to delve into meat and the importance of, you know, should I be eating certain kinds of meats? Is this okay? Is this kosher? Am I allowed to do this as a Christian who was never Jewish? The, he, you will see these connecting words um, like therefore and so all of these things to try to help you flow it together. I only bring that up again to just kind of reiterate it's so important to read it all together. Otherwise, it doesn't – your point is moot. <laughs> it, it's not going to make sense. And – the historical context, the cultural background, we're talking to people in ancient Rome where, you know, there are Jewish people in the midst of this who have just recently become Christians. Um, there are Gentiles who have never necessarily just worshipped one God. It's been multiple gods. So Jesus did this incredible thing where he met people where they were at by literally leaving heaven, coming to earth, meeting us where we're at. And Romans is very clear that we are to do the same. We're to meet people where they're at. And that's kind of where we're about to go because uh, the chapters leading up to Romans 14, which is very specific about meat. If you've never read Romans 14, you're like, what are you talking about? We're about to get there. But uh, it's really convicting for me. I've lived my whole existence, I feel like, in the, in the church and I've had um, you know basic understanding and at some points more in depth than um, others. And uh, that has led to a place sometimes of pride in my own life where if somebody says to me, well, I, I don't understand in my mind 
or even out loud, I've said, well, then you need to get understanding. Mm-hmm. That should be your determination as a Christian to grow in your faith. Okay, well, that may be where people need to go. That may be where, you know, clearly I still need to go in growth and maturity because Paul is super clear about people in terms of their maturity and their faith. And he says, we should try to please them instead of ourselves. We should be thinking of their good. He's saying this in Romans 15. And try to help them by doing what pleases them. How, this is me talking, how can we share things in a podcast or on air truth that meets people where they're at. That's our job, Carter. Mm -hmm. Um, For our radio show, we're trying to meet people where they're at because that's exactly what Jesus did. And if I allow what it is that I have learned in my faith walk become more important than people themselves... And this is the danger of, of growing in faith, looking down my nose at other people who may not be at the same place of knowledge. Um, then I'm being antichrist. That's against everything that, that God teaches. And so this is where the conversation is landing with Paul and the Roman church is kind of people are super divided over stuff that was a part of their cultural background, Jewish people, they did, they ate kosher. This is according to the law of Moses. The Gentiles are being taught you're free in Jesus. We never had this understanding of the law before. We're kind of confused. People are super divided about it. And it becomes a stumbling block as opposed to what it was meant to always be an aid in discovering what it is to worship and serve the Lord. Yeah. And that's what leads us to the conversation then. I think um, meat can stand for so many things in this chapter. Oh, for sure. Um, and you know, in fact, there's a family member in my, in, there's a family member in my family. Now I'm doing the thing about going over the things that we're going over. That's what I did. I did, I know, in the mat within the mat. But I have a family member who purposefully chooses not to eat anything pig related. Now, oh, I interesting. Do, I feel bad for them. Yeah. Has he never I, had bacon? Oh, he's absolutely had bacon. He's done sausage. He's done ham. He's done all these things. He does not do that anymore. Anymore. Okay. And he chooses to adhere to the law of you know Moses that it's, it's not kosher to eat pig products. Now, Paul plainly states um, that he feels no shame in eating. I mean, he feels that Jesus has made all foods eatable, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I was reading this passage to my son who's had a conversation with this said family member in regarding, and Paul is basically telling, um, myself and my son, when we are having a conversation with this particular person who feels adamantly about that, we must stop judging others. We also must make up our minds not to upset anyone's faith. The Lord Jesus has made it clear to me. God considers all foods fit to eat, but if you think some foods are unfit to eat, then for you, they're not fit. And it's just that simple. So my family member doesn't feel like it's okay. So if I get all in a tizzy about stuff, is it behooving him or me mm-hmm. to go full on, God said it's totally fine for me. Eat this and you should eat this. I mean, you know, that's kind of sometimes where I... <laughs> 
I'll find myself getting really frustrated. But Paul says, don't let your appetite destroy someone that Christ died for. Don't let your right to eat bring shame to Christ. God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. It's about pleasing God, about living in peace, and about true happiness. And all this comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I'm wrong even when I'm right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting because I, I want it to be black and white. And oh, yeah. some, some things are. I mean, you can't be like, well... My conscience, my conscience doesn't tell me that murder is wrong. No, no, because there's a teaching against that. Right. Um, but in these things that there aren't specific teachings about in other places in Scripture, uh, we're left with our conscience. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, the way that Paul describes it is, you know, if if you're weaker in faith or weaker in conscience, then, um, then maybe you should not eat the meat that is blessed to pagan gods. Mm -hmm. um, but... You need to follow whatever your conviction is. And I used to think that, for example, when it says... That last part. Will you just say that one more time? Yeah, which part? You need to follow whatever your conviction is. Yeah. Because that is exact. I underlined that verse is verse 1423. Okay. If you have doubts about what you eat, you're going against your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know that it's wrong because anything you do against your beliefs is sin. Yep. So you feel conviction about it, then there you go. The Holy Spirit has led you maybe in a different way than others. Uh, yeah. Which it, can feel conflicting too. I know. It's like, well, why would he lead differently? That's exactly why I have I would have trouble because it's like, well, we should all be on the same page. And we obviously should be on things that the Bible specifically says. But we're not going to be. No. We're not going to be because of our cultural differences. I mean, my husband and I are from two different cultural backgrounds. We both have two ways of doing a lot of things. Now, we have our main fundamental belief system in our faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Do we believe in being good parents? Absolutely. But the way that we parent is going to be different. Yeah. And we're going to have to come together and say, all right, is my opinion here more than what, <laughs> more than my love for you uh -huh. in this moment because I'm letting it be? And right. And I, yeah, there, there's a very, very real reason why God set out so many of these laws. Some of them were about just walking out obedience. Some of them were about purity. Some of that, I mean, there's very re real reasons why he said, eat this food and not that food. And you just need to do it. Now, a lot of it may have been having to do with cooking. You don't know how to cook it properly, so you could die. Now, you don't get that explanation in the law, per se. Mm -hmm. I, and that's just me guessing. I did not read that anywhere. But you know what? I know that I could give my family food poisoning if I don't cook pork properly. That's true. That's you true. know? And uh, also, it apparently piggies, they weren't maybe monitored as well as they should have been back in the day. And they would eat their dead young. I mean, it's just gross. Yeah. So, it's like, Ugh, you want to be eating that? There's a lot of stuff that probably even today, even though all foods quote by Paul are deemed okay to eat. <laughs> Should we really be eating a, as many bottom feeders and crustaceans as we do? Uh, that's a good question. That's <laughs> maybe not as a spiritual of a question, but that's a very good question. Um, I used to think that, for example, don't make your brother stumble. Mm -hmm. I used to think that was okay. If I'm okay with having a glass of wine, uh, alcohol in general, uh, well, I don't want to drink it in front of somebody that is literally an alcoholic. Um, mm. yeah. And that's true still, but I used to think that's all it was. 
And then reading into the context of this with, with each other's consciences, this is where Halloween comes in. This is where politics come in. This is where literal pork comes in uh, with, yeah. in your situation with your, yeah. your, your family member, Rochelle, mm-hmm. um, that no, no, no. What I'm not supposed to do is get people to violate their conscience. Yeah. And so if I tell you Halloween is totally fine to celebrate, I mean, the parts mm-hmm. of it that are, I mean, because the Bible talks about modesty and then the Bible talks about not worshiping other gods. And so if we take those elements out and we're talking about kids getting candy, um, then I used to thought, think it was my responsibility to tell people, hey, get over whatever your blockage is on this yeah. and use it as an opportunity to get to know your neighbors and I still think it's a great idea, but I used to think that was kind of my responsibility. Um, mm. Get people to learn yeah. that this old school way of thinking is over. You got to go by whatever scripture says is right or wrong. You're saying that it was ignorance ruling the day of the church. That's exactly. That's what, what I, I was okay. feeling that this is just ignorance uh, mm. if you're against Because <laughs> it is pretty ironic that some people say, uh, hey, candy and getting and in costumes getting candy is totally wrong unless it's in a church parking lot and it's from trunks of cars like <laughs> I, I still think that's a pretty interesting conversation but if it's your conviction to turn mm-hmm. off your light and stay inside your home and watch a christian movie on halloween then it's your conviction yeah and, absolutely and i would be getting you to sin if I convince you some way and get you to disobey it. Now, mm-hmm. if there are misnomers about what it is, I think we can, we're up for conversations and discussions, but if I'm trying to totally get somebody, I'll give you an example. Back in the day, me and my friends were really into the paranormal activity movies. Okay. And then I meet my wife or girlfriend at the time. And she was like, I don't do anything like that. I know it creeps her out. It, yeah, I don't feel right about it. And slowly but surely, I kind of felt the same way as her. I'm like, yeah, it really is just, well, okay. But we won't get into to what specifics are, but it was her conscience that was being violated. Mm, and it, yeah. it was not my responsibility to try to convince her to go against that. That's a really good, yeah, that's a great example. That's a great example. Now, and, you know, I want to encourage people to, uh, especially if, if this is kind of hitting a nerve about the the topic of Halloween, Carter did this incredible podcast a year ago in regards to the history of Halloween. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah, you, we know that it that day has baggage. It does. It also has baggage in the church in a good way in, in terms of celebrating the saints. So, I mean, there's a lot of pluses and, and yes, minuses in regards to the history of that day. But you're specifically speaking to what it has become today in our society. Well, I, I'm talking about anything. I'm and I mean, you go as Halloweenish as you want if it doesn't violate scripture. And that's where there has been a, a bit of a frustration for me over time of we can't just um, blacklist things it, because it's not PC or it's not culturally friendly or whatever. Mm-hmm. It has to go by there's a moral, there's a standard, and it's it's how God has revealed himself through Scripture. But the maturity place, if I could just, like, props to you for getting to this place of recognizing, okay, I'm not the sole only person <laughs> who's, this is their job to go around and correct people. Right, right. Be- because you're, you're saying I want to respect people and their convictions. 
Yeah, it, and it should work both ways. So, for example, mm-hmm. your family member, Rochelle, shouldn't try to convince you that eating pork is wrong. But if they do, if they try to, what what should my response be? Well, it, it, prayer, really. <laughs> I mean, honestly, because here's the thing. Yeah. There's going to be some conversations that people will say. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this and just literally your alert here, okay? You can't sit here and tell me, well— Watching porn doesn't violate my conscience. I'm, it's, I'm, I don't feel wrong about it. I don't feel, hold up. There's going to be a lot of scripture that disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. And there's objective things that you can't feel one way or the other about. Okay, you might feel it. Yeah. You can't go off of that if scripture is saying otherwise. There, mm-hmm. There's an objective standard that we got to follow. But there are some things in culture that it's, and this passage is great. Paul is saying, eat the meat or don't eat the meat, but whatever your conviction is, follow it. And so with, in regards to this, when we know that there's not, we're not under the old covenant, you know, of, of that standard of not eating pork. Um, well, if you already know that Rochelle, cause I would say prayer and then, and then, and then looking to scripture on whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, you know, there's wisdom and counsel asking some other diverse people. And by diverse in this situation, I mean, maybe some people with different denominations, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm more Baptisty, so maybe get some Baptist type <laughs> mindset, but also get maybe some Pentecostal mindset and, and kind of see what the consensus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that point that you've arrived, what you know is true, then I think it's, I mean, seriously avoiding the conversation or just saying, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Or yeah. I, I don't think it's worth an argument because it's not like you're trying to convince them of the opposite anyway because oh. we, we would go back to Romans 14. No, can, let me just red flag that. It's never worth it, especially with this particular family member. <laughs> I have I have felt the blood boil over a Thanksgiving meal just like every other normal family here in the United States of America or yeah. wherever you're listening. That's just true for family. Yeah. We'll rub each other the wrong way. We love each other. We feel passionately for one another. And I think that's where that's why it's such such hot button stuff. Because we like each we like each other. We love each other. We want each other to see each other's point of view and and be validated. Uh-huh. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Now when faith plays a part in it, it can go you know, from zero to 10, just like that. Sure. Wait, I can't snap. That was better. That was a good like, snap. That. Yeah. Thank you for it. Thank you for that. But uh, I I really adhere to that that last part. Is it worth the argument? Is it worth the debate? If, if they want to have a conversation, that's a different situation. Let's have a conversation. Absolutely. Here's the basis for why I believe what I believe, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. But if I, if I know... Um, let's say somebody feels uncomfortable. I actually have very good friends who are very uncomfortable with Halloween. Their culture, their background, are from a different country. Sure. It was celebrated in a much different way. And it had a spiritual overtone um, countrywide that did not align with their faith. Yeah. So it's taboo. And so when they come over, um, I'm not going to put out those decorations that may be upsetting. Uh-huh. You know, um, people might even say that that's wrong. Well, you shouldn't change who you are. But I, I don't, I don't want to offend. Now, I, I, that that's between you and the Holy Spirit as well, because we could be walking around quote eggshells all over the place. Right. We're constantly taking things down and altering quote who we are. I personally am not. I don't feel that strongly about October thirty first to have 
that whole thing. Now, I do feel strongly about Christmas time, and there are people who have those feelings about Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they do not feel that that's okay. And I totally respect that if that's if that's how you feel, if it's become more this commercialization of Christmas time is the con- the concern, or uh, even the the there's scripture in Jeremiah that references you know taking uh, carvings and putting uh, adorning them with silver and gold, and people have quite literally taken that to mean for them, um, you know the decorating of trees for that. I, there, I believe in context, again, we get back to that word, is talking about idols. But you know what? You can make Christmas time an idol. Sure. You absolutely can. Sure. So, you know, you have to, what it says here, if you have doubts about what you, in this way, I guess it wouldn't be what you eat, but what you do during a, a Christmas season, and you're going against those beliefs, then you know it's wrong because anything you do against your beliefs is sin. Yeah. I... Yeah. I feel strongly about Christmas trees, though, so I'm not going to remove that. And well, I will be happy to have a conversation. <laughs> and the, the point is, is like you said, not walking on eggshells, but it is serving each other. Exactly. And, and and so, and that's that's the point. I mean, really, since there was so much, I mean, why is Paul writing a letter? Well, obviously, there was disagreement. A lot you know? of, of, yes, division. Yeah. Is, and we felt that um, for quite a while in this country. And speaking of, let's just go there. Let, let, let's just go there. I don't know what you're doing. You want to talk about doing? division. I mean, hey, with the radio show that we do, we know that Halloween is a sensitive topic. We do. And so that's why maybe you hear us working on eggshells a little bit too. But let's talk about the division politically. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, the division politically. Yes. Um, I think what we have to recognize is there's two main paths, right? Republican and Democrat. Mm-hmm. And there's not 100% of issues that are are Christian according to one party. Let me mm-hmm. see if I if I said that correctly. No, I got I got where you're. There's going. not one party that's 100 percent Christian. Now you would find people in both parties that would disagree with you. Oh well, that's where we're at, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. so so if you're, if I've you're... had family members say if you side there, uh-huh. then you are not either going to heaven. You're not a Christian. I mean, like have said that. Right. Well, and let's you know let's. Start with basics. How do you get to heaven? Believing that Jesus is who he said he was, putting your full trust and hope in him and your, your life changed because of it. I mean, okay, mm. so boom, done. And then. So it has nothing to do with a bumper sticker? It tells me where I'm affiliated with elections. Interesting. So that's the thing. If there is any sense of, of getting frustrated or kind of you being nervous about what we're about to say, um, it's it's simply this, that American politics are are not a way to heaven. And. What we have to do, because we should vote in this country, I mean, it is great that we have freedoms and there's a there's a duty in the, the sense of, you know, being an American. Um, but what we have to do is just use our best judgment on our consciences um, in who we think would represent Christianity the most. I mean, if, you know, if we're going to vote that way to to make sure that we put somebody that would um, glorify God then we just are going to have to use our best judgment. And I think where we get really caught is exactly the example you were talking about, Rochelle, saying that one side or the other is more Christian. Well, really, being a Christian, following Jesus is one thing, and these two things might overlap depending on the certain topic we're discussing. You know, and I and I understand, I understand why people would be surprised at 
how people vote on certain issues mm-hmm. because sure. some issues pretty much seem to be black and white. And yeah. you go, I don't even know how you would give any leeway to that. I understand that part of it. I'm just saying we can't look at anything in this world and go, well, that's the Christian way. You know, that's the Christian baseball team. No, every baseball team is made up of probably unbelievers and believers like that. You just, we can't do that. So then where do we go with it? Well, it's, it's our conscious. And unless there's a teaching against it, we have to follow best what our convictions are and being careful not to put people on pedestals if they align true with things that we have come to uh grab hold of with our holy spirit conscience guide yeah you know uh which i'm guilty of i'll put people up on pedestal i'll put some of my favorite artists up on pedestals and then i'm let down when i find out they're human yeah yeah. And, you know, Paul was super clear. I'm also reading First Corinthians where he's he's like, what's wrong with you people? I mean, he said it in a loving way. He's like, well, you get you get in these bandwagon type moments. You get behind me or then we got a group over here that's behind another teacher of the time called Apollos uh-huh. or it's Peter. We're people. You get behind Jesus. We're just bringing you gospel truth. That's what we're doing, you know, and so we we tend to be aggravated when expectations are not met yeah and yeah. Uh, so i it's really important um as we we've, we've shared uh and hopefully this isn't to to rile anybody up it's for it's for us to kind of jumpstart my thinking again you know because i'm i'm that kid who grew up with the poster with a kitty cat and the scripture that says you know i can do all things or whatever yeah Right. I'm, I'm that person. And it's wonderful. You can lift these truths out of context from Scripture, some of them, and absolutely. It's a blessing. Not to be said that it's not a blessing. But if you get a Scripture like, don't criticize them for having beliefs that are different from yours, and it talks about eating meat and vegetables, I could go into a restaurant, put that on a menu, and say it's found in Romans 14. Mm-hmm. And try to convince people that they're being unbiblical or something, you know, because it's my own agenda. I can't do that. Yeah. I'm not supposed to. <laughs> These are very specific problems that are being addressed to a specific grouping of people in a specific region who are under um, s- these laws of the Roman Empire. Like you also read about slavery. Does that mean that uh, because when he talks about being good as a slave to your masters, does that mean we should get back into slavery? No, that's not what he's talking about at all. But you have slave leaders or slave owners at the time of the Civil War using verses like that Mm -hmm. out of context when it's a whole different situation because chattel slavery is is what would be maybe, maybe the more proper term for what we know today as slavery. Uh, but it was more indentured servanthood going on at the time of when when Paul was was right, or, or excuse me, even the Old Testament was 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 going on. Absolutely, there's been caste systems for as long as as time has began, you know, began. And, and I guess in the Roman Empire, men could move forward up the corporate ladder, but women and slaves, uh, servants, those people really couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so, what's really awesome about you know you reading how Paul is unifying the Gentiles and the Jewish people in these chapters. He's also unifying people of different systems, caste systems. Like the wealthy people are sitting at the same t- table as the quote slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ is for all peoples. Exactly. Cause we are all equal. 
Um, We're all equal. And so he was recognizing the culture, though. And he's trying to to help the um, the Jewish community who he deeply loves. Eva goes out of his way to say, if I could be cursed for them so that they would know Christ, I would. Mm. Uh, but he lets them know. It's like, look, Abraham was chosen. Like, this is how God decided he was going to bring people back to him when it all went to muck at the very beginning with the fall of man. I'm I look these are my image bearers these are the people that I've choose chosen to to bear my image for crying out loud <laughs> not even the angels have that yeah yeah and I I want to have a relationship with them and so you know what I'm going to choose this family I'm going to choose Abraham and that's what he does and he uses Abraham and he says it says in scripture I'm going to use this guy's family to bring all nations to me now, were the Jewish people better than any of the other nations? Paul says, no. They were chosen by God. Right. Absolutely they were chosen. But even they, I mean, he says, the Gentiles were messing up this way and that. They didn't have the law to show them what was the right way to go. But even with the Jewish people, some of them who had the law, in fact, many of them, that's why, I mean, we read about the exile of the Jewish people because they kept abandoning God. And finally, he said, I can't continue to bless this after hundreds and hundreds of years of sticking with with the communities. Like, I, I'm sorry, I got to let you. You got to experience punishment. So he let them go into exile. But the Jewish people had the law and they still disobeyed. So he's saying nobody is better here than another at this table. Yeah. <laughs> nobody. Yeah. And so let's Jesus is giving us a do over. We have an opportunity to sit down with one another Look at it from a heavenly perspective of this is what God has always intended. He wants to bring all nations to him. We all come from different backgrounds. We all need to respect one another's differences, especially if it hits a, a morality gauge. Like, it, this sets me off. I don't want to do this. Just like your wife with watching that movie. I, mm. But then I love and appreciate the fact that she probably didn't lord that over you and say, well, you're not a Christian because you watch those. That's no. true. Yeah. She allowed you that space, and you actually did. I mean, you you eventually came her way on that. That doesn't always happen, but it can. But out of respect for one another, it's like, that's where you're at. This is where I'm at. Can we find a way to commune at the table and fellowship as opposed to yelling and, and over ridiculous stuff? Because, if, again, going back to that place in Romans 15, we should think of their good and try to help them by doing what pleases them. We should, what does that mean? Love them. To honor God by accepting each other, it says in the seventh verse. As Christ has accepted you, I tell you that Christ came as a servant of the Jews to show that God has kept the promises he made to their famous ancestors. Christ also came so that the Gentiles would praise God for being kind to them. You don't get community if you're divided. It's a good lesson. Uh, and one, especially before the holidays, that we can all <laughs> maybe take this discussion to the table. Open up Romans 14. Talk about what it is. This has uh, been great. Uh, this is, again, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and even more other podcasts and resources at HopeOnDemand.com.